This is the rear naked choke. It means to kill the lion. Okay. So, okay, okay. Oh my God. Yo Show. Welcome to the Yo Show. Thank you so much, man. Uh, we had Brad Williams on. We had, uh, who else we have, Alex? Um, Harrison. Greenbaum. Yeah. And we're recording this time for reals. Oh, we're recording. Yeah. So Alex has it going on right now because Alex, he's our engineer of the show. In the last couple of podcasts, he forgot chords. So, yeah, so we couldn't record certain things because he has no chords. So you have all your chords today? Yeah, Alex? no, we're, we're set. We're set this time for okay, sure. Okay, we are set. We are set. Now, we're both excited to have you here because if you don't know Dave, the pain train, Mazzani. Now, you're a journeyman in the fight game. And, you know, I, I, I've been on Joe Rogan's podcast several times. And since I moved to Vegas, I started getting into this, you know, watching UFC slowly, slowly. It took me a while. But man, I got to say, there's so much respect I have because literally it's just you, tights, gloves, little little gloves, fighting another man. It's the rawest form of competition you can have right now besides a bare, bare fist. But what what does it take for like a fighter like you to even get in the ring? Like what what clicks where it's like I want to do this? What how how'd you right. get to that point? That's a tough that's a tough that's a tough question because uh I mean, I think it comes from a dream from when you're young, right? Like you you saw the 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 John Claude Van Damme blood sport movie and you saw, you know, Rocky and you saw these these fight movies and even I don't know little things like some kung fu movies like Bruce Lee and and even the Power Rangers and stuff like fighting was cool like and, and it's something you want to do what'd you do with your action figures he-man toys you always made them fight so so that was like one of the coolest things you could do and so growing up I sort of visualized that as something I want to do but I was an athlete right like I was a oh so when you say an athlete what type of sports did you play at a young age it was ice hockey growing up I was from Alaska I am from Alaska wow yeah, okay so. how was that you know let's talk <laughs> Ala- you're the first person I've ever interviewed from Alaska yeah. how long of your life did you live in Alaska uh born and raised man but born and raised all the way through high school went to college in Colorado another cold place and then came back so Ooh. so how was it growing up in Alaska uh I mean, it's, it's all I knew. It was funny because yeah. I remember uh, summers there and my, my mom would be like, oh my God, it's so beautiful and awesome here and stuff. And then uh, I, like, I was like, oh yeah, mountains are normal and tons of green and wildlife and a moose going through your front yard, like in Anchorage, Alaska, like the biggest city, like they'll be downtown and stuff. And, and uh, that was normal. So, so, so this is where like, it's, it's daylight, like half of the year, right? Yeah, it's a shift, right? So so basically, there's a peak in the summer. There's a solstice. And you notice the yeah. time change in uh, Las Vegas or wherever you're at. You notice a time change. Well, in Alaska, it's more drastic. And the further north you go, it's more drastic, right? So like if you live up north in Barrow, Barrow, Alaska, like I worked near there when I was working construction on the like for the oil companies and stuff. Um, I was there during the summer and it literally never set. But during the winter time, it would never rise, right? So did you think from being in Alaska, this was pretty normal all all across the U.S. or? Yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, it wasn't until like I visited family members in like Michigan and stuff, like uh, New Mexico or whatever. I remember going outside and it was summertime and I could like, it was like I only had a t-shirt on and I could see the stars. I was like, whoa, usually I'm in a snowsuit in order to see the stars, right? It has to be cold, you know? And so, so but basically like Anchorage was like, I remember working construction, like after I graduated from college and stuff, I remember uh, going, looking at outside and the sun was rising. It was about, we had, a, you know, about 11 o'clock lunch 
and the sun was rising at 10.30, and I go, oh, man, it's almost lunch <laughs> when the sun was rising, right? And then you go home, and it's setting. It's, 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 it's rough. Like it's, was there any black people in Alaska? Yeah. There yeah, are. Absolutely. Yeah. What? My, my high school was one of the most diverse high schools in the United States. So that meant, like, y'all had three black people in it? No. Oh, no, I had, <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> so my school, I was in Barlett High School. Shout out Barlett High School. Barlett High School. East Side Anchorage. Um, we, we were next to two military bases, right? Uh, Elmendorf, Fort Rich. But also, uh, we had a, a big group of Polynesian culture. We had Hispanic. We had Asian. We had uh, black people. Like, uh, uh, it, and it, so we, you were around yeah. all types of cultures. Yeah, there was 37 languages spoken at my school at the time. Oh, my so, God. See, when I picture Alaska, I picture white. Right. And the people white, everything white. Right. It's just white, white. Everything. Yeah. But it's not. That's Anchorage, great. Anchorage is a melting pot. That people come to places for money. Alaska was the last frontier. So you, you it was opened up. There's money when oil. There's money in fishing, and and, and there's opportunity. Wherever there's opportunity, people travel. Yep. And so it was a growing, growing place. And so that's one thing I was fortunate with, right? Like my, I remember, uh, you know, my high school was full of all different shapes and sizes and colors and languages and and whatever. So. I I, ne I never understood like the forced diversity thing. I just always knew that to be true in my school. So you really didn't learn that till you got to. I mean, you're yeah. part of the states, but till you got to this part of the states, the how big of a deal. Like, I don't want to say racism because I don't want right. to break, but like to you it was normal. But to a lot right. of places you learn in America, it's not normal. Like my right. wife, there really wasn't a lot of ethnic people around her growing right. up. I mean, granted, there was you know, racism, you, we, we, you know, you, you heard things and things were being said, but like, I, I, I got to experience different cultures. cultures. Like it, it was, you know, like the, this, the, the Polynesian group would do a, a assembly, do like a dance and yeah. whatever. And we saw like, you know, like obviously there's the native Alaskans who had, you know, ethnic, you know, there, you always learn about their history, um, in, in Alaska, which is different than, you know, the, the cultures down in the, Indians and down in the States. Yeah, you know, of course. Of course. It's, it's incredible. So it's cool. So you born and raised Alaska, uh, go to school, high school, middle school, hockey was your thing. Yes. In your mind, was there ever fighting in your mind at that time or no? Right. I knew if I was going to make it and fight in hockey, I wasn't a finesse guy. Uh -huh. Speaking of black people, there was two black people on my team. So, <laughs> oh, excuse yeah, me. Yeah. All right. So Whoa. playing hockey, which, you know, right. One of them was our captain. Oh, and there you on, go. One of them was our goalie. So nice. Yeah. So, <laughs> so there we go. Uh, playing like a very white sport. We still had two black Dude, people. There, right? you go. there you go. Um, but anyways, <laughs> and Scotty Gomez, you know, Scotty Gomez, he played for the New Jersey Devils. He was the rookie of the year and won the Stanley Cup. Uh -huh. Did he play at that high school? He played at East, which is another East side Anchorage school. Nice. He, played, he graduated from. East. Did y'all play that school? Yes, but not when he was. He was ah, older than me. Yeah. Gotcha. So, but he was the first. I believe he was the first Mexican American hockey player to play in the NHL. Oh, just give us twenty yeah, years. So. We're taking over hockey yeah. too. We just got to get used <laughs> oh, to the cold weather. Yeah. You know, we'll we'll be all right. We'll oh, yeah. be all right. But so, was there any thought in your mind because yeah. you were that? Yeah, oh yeah, I want to be a fighter. Right. Yeah. I mean, or not. Not yet. I always wanted to, but that's not the responsible thing to do, right? You're supposed to go to college to play a real sport, do that thing. And then, at, but it was like, after I got done with everything, I graduated and I was like, well, I still feel like an athlete. I still want to compete. It's not like a men's league hockey wasn't really doing this thing. I, I ran track and field in college. Yep. I was a decathlete, but uh, I was like, well, I'm just going to 
just get one fight because we had the Alaska Fighting Championships in Anchorage. Okay, so fight in the Sullivan Arena on, on Thursdays. So, so this was a every week thing, and just like amateurs could go in and fight. Is that what yeah. it was? I mean, technically back then it was pro because back in the day there was. I didn't know what amateur fighting was until. It came to the States. Like, you fight an amateur or pro. It's like, well, you don't get like a, I mean, the paycheck was garbage. You get like a couple hundred bucks. would cover, cover your bar tab you yeah. know, afterwards, you know? But uh, yeah, I was just like, I want to try that. I'm going to do that at least once. Like, bucket list item. Let's let's do it. To, you know? to be in a fight. Yes, to be in a, in a fight behind a cage. Because I was never a guy to like get beef with somebody and like fight them. That's now, now so did you get in a lot of fights in high no. school? I mean, no, I was kind of like a weird kid. I was like, I was like, I was a distance runner, also a hockey player. So I was the guy in like running shorts and a hemp necklace. And people would talk <laughs> crap to me. You know yeah. What I mean? like, yeah. It was guess. whatever. Like I was cool with everybody, but I was like the weird guy. Yeah. You know? And, uh, I still am the weird guy. No, <laughs> just, no, just, I, no. Can, I can just punch people in the face better. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. It was a bucket. So I went to Gracie Baja Jiu Jitsu in Alaska. Well, actually, it was it wasn't that. It was something. It was named something different. But we ended up becoming Gracie Baja with uh-huh. uh, Professor Ted Stickle. Ted. And and so your goal was to be in this local fight. Yes. So you had to go train, of course, and that's when you went to the Gracie. Yeah. School. Yeah, okay. So so my my instructor there. I mean, he was like jujitsu was hard to find. But I mean, and this is the funny thing. I like I, I watched UFC. I watched Pride. I watched the MMA as it grew. Okay, let me let me ask you this. UFC at that time, what fight number were they on when you started? Because they're on like 276 right oh, now. God, who was fighting at the time? You know, I, I don't even I don't even know. What number like, do start, you think? I started in 2006, whatever. 2006, the, okay. Yeah, about 2006. Okay. First fight or 2007-ish. But I mean, I was watching, even when I was, young i would go to the blockbuster and see the special interest section grab the uh vhs tape and be like what is this Bare so Knuckle, Kumite. so so you get out of college <laughs> yeah. you, you're you're still athletic but yeah. you're not playing hockey you didn't make it in hockey so you're right. going let me you always had a desire to fight and yeah. you're like let me try this out is yeah. that am i right in yeah. that and then you go to this gracie school yeah. and now you're doing all the research Right. About it. When did you know that, like, you went to the Gracie School to get your first fight? Right. To be in it. Right. All right. So when did you know you had some type of talent while you were training? Um, or you didn't know? It was a... I felt like I did. I felt like I did. I mean, I had one year of wrestling when I was in middle school. I won the city championship there. Oh, okay. I should have pursued that. But hockey was way more cool, man. Like, yeah. On, getting a letterman jacket for hockey was way cooler <laughs> than the wrestlers back in Alaska. But um, but in hindsight, it's like, man, I was built like a wrestler. I should have been a wrestler. Uh-huh. But whatever. Uh, hindsight's twenty twenty. There you go. But uh, yeah, I, I, I just, I was in there and I didn't tell anybody that's what I want to do with fight. I just like trained, you know, did my thing. And then I was like, when it was time, it was time. And I went in and Fought my first fight and 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 how long did you train before you got in a first fight? Man, it must have been six to eight months. Okay, yeah, it was a little bit. Now, it was there before the fight. Is it real contact? Like before you actually get punched in the face? Are you getting punched in the face before that? Like in practice? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Oh, so it's real. Like yeah, like like when you when you like like, uh, Ken Shamrock's book. Remember Ken Shamrock? Yes. World's Dangerous Man. Yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So he uh, in his book, it was one of the books I read. Like getting ready, I was like, okay, let me read from the best. And he said the best way to get good at fighting was fighting. You know. And so I was like, that's what you need to do so so sparring i mean and and granted gracie baja jiu-jitsu we were our sparring wasn't super crazy it wasn't until i came to vegas that it got crazy when i was at vandalay silva's gym then i learned how to just 
I don't know. That was that was nuts. But yeah, that's. But well, we'll yeah, talk so about that in a second. Yeah. yeah. So you see, so you end up sparring. Yeah, you're like the one thing cool about jujitsu, like the grappling portion. You can do that 100, percent and you're not really hurting each other. You know, you stop before a submission, let go of a choke before they pass out. Um, you know. <laughs> well, that's nice of you. Yeah, you know, yeah, hey. I'm gonna let you up. Yeah. yeah. Well, when they tap, they say, "Hey, I can't breathe." Well, it's not breathing. It's you're cut. You're cutting off the arteries, right? That's what's got happening. A choke. Have you ever been? Have you been, ever been choked out? Yeah. What's that? <laughs> I, you see, Alex, you see what's crazy, Alex? Yeah. When I asked him that, his eyes lit up like, yeah, yeah. Look, you were talking about how uh, comedy's a drug. He was talking like that was his drug. Yeah, yeah. like fighting is yeah. your drug. Yeah. That's what it seems like. Comedy's yeah. my drug. It seems right. like like your eyes light up. Even when I asked yeah. you, did you ever get choked out? You're like, yeah. yeah. You know, what is that feeling like? It's weird. It's sort of like goes and people, some people do this for fun. I've had, <laughs> what? yeah, you know that? Like, have you, you never seen people do that? Like in middle school or like pass each no. other out? Whoa. No, maybe in, Alaska. Seen that. <laughs> maybe in Alaska, they well, do that. Dark, dark, cold winters. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> it's dark outside anyway. Put yeah. me under. Yeah. <laughs> no, you'd like hype. People would hyperventilate themselves and they would like push on their chest or like cut off, you know. Okay. No, 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 they wouldn't no, do that. That's okay. an Alaska thing. I guess I so. Yeah. So, <laughs> but it, but it's weird. Like, like t you just kind of so, like, but wake you did that in Alaska. Is that the things y'all were doing? Kids did. I mean, I never really did it. Like one of my friends got in trouble for that. He did that. Yeah. Yeah. He, you should. Yeah. He hit his head on a curb and he went to the hospital. I'm not going to say name any names, but if you're listening, you know who you are. Well, if you're, <laughs> if you're knocking yourself out, you kind of deserve that. I'm yeah. not going to lie. You know, you kind of deserve what comes with that being knocked out. Yeah. On purpose. Yeah. yeah. But when you're in the ring and you get choked out the first time. Right. Right. Yeah. Submission hold. Dude yeah. choked you out. What is that feeling like? Well, it's it's weird. Like if I if I put you in a chokehold. No, right please now, don't. Please <laughs> don't. I, if I did, you would yeah. know like, okay, I need a tap. Like it's one of those things that like you inherently know lights are going out and they're going dim. It's like you're going to death, right? Like it's it feels like it. So like I refereed jujitsu for Naga, North American Grappling yeah. Association. So the kids, they don't know when an arm lock's about to go because they've never they don't know the limits of their joints. Uh -huh. But like almost every time they get in a chokehold, they know to tap. You know, it's, it's something, you know, you know, so it's, so it do is, most people tap before the lights start to go out yes. or, okay. Yes. So as soon as you feel like, okay, this is it, you I'm, know, when it's done, right? Like, and like the one time I did get choked unconscious in a competition, it was like, fuck you. I'm not going to give you, I'm not going to give you the, the, the glory of me quitting. Fuck you. Like, wait, 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 kill me to, to Oh, okay. Like, so you like, did it all. You kind of wanted him. Like you're not going to, I wanted to win. I was fighting the choke, but I'm not going to give you the satisfaction of me tapping and me giving up. Oh, so I'm not going to give you that shit. Oh, wow. You know, see, that's a, it was like, you hear yeah, that Alex? That's yeah. a fucking fighter right there, bro. <laughs> he's not going to, he's not going to just give you the tap. No, you got to take him out. Yeah. And granted that's I tapped, but that, that fight was like, no, fuck this guy. No, nah, I would have tapped so soon. As soon as he put me in, I was like, ah! I hey, I'm out. Hey, get me. Get me. Right. That's what I would have been. Yeah. So, But it is one of those things that like, well, you saw that. So your light started to go out? It, is, it starts to fade and you wake up and you're like, oh, where am I at? Oh, God, I, I, it's over. I, I lost. You know what I mean? So it's, you're it's, telling me you went through years of being choked out, almost blacked out, uh, probably hit wherever, uh, just to make a couple hundred bucks and spend it at the bar what is wrong with you <laughs> <laughs> it's weird like so like like i don't know and, and maybe michael you you would relate to this it's like that first time you you like got in a room and you killed it 
you're like, oh shit, this is it right there. And then you're chasing the dragon Dude, from there on out. It is, it is. The dragon. And, like, and yours, like, we chase the dragon and nobody punches us or yeah. chokes us out on set. I mean, maybe Will Smith would come up and slap us every once in a while, <laughs> but but nobody is physically right. choking us out yeah. on set. It's like the closest I ever got to being choked out. And I told you about this. I was on a plane and I had food poisoning, so I was dehydrated. I walked down the aisle, I woke up. And there was a black guy with my legs over my head. And he looks between my legs and he goes, are you okay? And I looked at him and went, am I? I don't know what just happened. And he said I was out for like 30 seconds. I just passed out in the middle of the aisle of a plane. This happened about two months ago. It was crazy. But the thing that went through my mind is, oh, that's like death. Yeah. Like, I wouldn't have known. Yeah. If that was death, I wouldn't have known. Right. Because I was just out. And I would imagine that's how it is on a, yeah. one of those chokeholds. Yeah. Or, or knockout or whatever. Or knockout. Knock so, so I know you, what was your record? Uh, it was 17-7 and one no contest. What does a no contest wins. mean? Uh, meant, meant that it sort of ended like in this situation, I was fighting John Alessio in Canada. It was main events. I was like, yeah, it's my chance. And, and I hit him with an overhand right. And it was like the first 90 seconds. I remember hitting him with an overhand right. And then I broke my hand on his head, which sucked because it took forever to, to heal. But and then and then he shot a takedown afterwards. My hands were out, and then my finger went into his eyeball oh, and yeah. tore his retina. And then the the fight couldn't continue after the first round. So the main event of the fight was like no contest. So you <laughs> would have so kept fighting with a broke hand. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Y'all are just different just, animals, bro. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's that's what right. I love about you guys. You guys are warriors, man. Yeah. Like you break my hand and I'm done. Right. I it, yes, but this dude was gonna finish the whole fight with a broke hand. Yeah. But I see these fighters like y'all light up. I talk to a lot of them. Y'all light up. Right. Anything. It's kind of like when I interview the SEALs that went into Benghazi. Normal mm. life is very boring for yep. them. Like it's hard to get that adrenaline level because it becomes a drug, the right. adrenaline rush. So I remember talking to these three guys and they were like, man, I miss bullets whizzing by my head, yeah. saving my partner's lives, ducking bullets. And I'm like, yo, you're crazy. But then I can see it in your face. Right. Your eyes is like the adrenaline rush of being in a fight, mano a mano, man to man, swinging, Possibly he's he's gonna win. I'm gonna win. One of us is gonna walk out of here. Right. You can't get that adrenaline rush just in everyday life. The thing about it is, it's it's like there's there's bad consequences to failure, right? Like, and it's the same thing that, that you chase, right? Like, if you bomb on a stage, it's like the worst feeling ever. You're like embarrassed. It's embarrassment, yeah. right? You lose a fight. It's embarrassing. You aren't a man. Like, what's the thing we always resort to? I'll beat your ass. Right? Yeah, like that's what you'll yeah. say. And then when somebody beats your ass, there's nothing left for you. You are just less than that person in front of thousands of people, in front of everybody. Like everybody watches. For some reason, like the hardest thing you've done in your life the one thing you dedicate yourself to um everybody watches everything else nobody nobody watches your bar exam then nobody else watches your sats or anything else you studied hard for but for some reason they they watch your fight closely and then they're connected and they're um they're invested to it so when you lose that it's ultra embarrassing is think about anybody out there think about the toughest thing you ever studied for or worked for in your life but then all of a sudden everyone is invested now that thing becomes more like there's more weight on weight on it. And then and when then, you lose, when you lose, it's awful. I mean, do you thing. go into a sense of depression after yeah. that? 
Because yeah. <laughs> then, because it's, it's like if you lose a basketball game, oh, we'll get them next week. Oh, we'll get them in the finals. We'll get them and we'll get them next year or whatever. I, you might, you most likely will not fight that individual ever again. Oh, and slash, or you probably won't fight again for another couple months at the least, you know, at the, mm-hmm. the soonest, right? Mm-hmm. Sometimes six months, sometimes a year. Like, like I, the time I broke my hand, I had to wait another year to redeem myself and get a fight. So, yeah, so, so you have to win. <laughs> so, <laughs> so like when you say you go into, what what happens to a fighter, a lot of fighters, after, do you kind of go in isolation? I, I'm talking about after yeah. you lose. It's it's weird. Win or lose, there's there's a drop, right? Like, is there? Yeah. Okay. It's like it's like any any big event. Think about a wedding or, uh, I don't know, even Christmas or whatever. You you get ready for this big thing and it like happens, and then after that, you're back to normal. It's it's what you know. The higher the high, the bigger the dip. You can't ride a high forever, right? And usually, what what goes up must come down. Yeah. So this is what happens with the fight. So even if you win, like I know people, like I've sat there with a title around my shoulder and be like, oh man. I'm sad. Why am I sad? You know, really? but you lose. It's even worse because you know the people that normally would be messaging you aren't messaging you, and and people that are normally wanting to be your buddy aren't being. You know, it's just it, the closest. You find out who the closest people are to you, right? And and then you're replaying that fight every every movement, everything. You watch the tape, and then that tape is just stuck in your brain, and you're just trying to fix it, right? Like you have a bad set on stage. Well. Tomorrow you can fix it. Yeah. Okay. I did X, Y, and Z wrong. Cool. Now I just have to fix it every day at practice. I have to fix it, fix it. But it really doesn't matter until I step into the ring again. Will I do that stupid thing again? I don't know. Because because everything changes under pressure. Like you can practice something all you want, but it changes under pressure. And you don't know if you're going to change it under pressure. Here's when I watched the UFC. Now, I know you always wanted to get to the UFC, right. but that you fell short of that. But you were on the EFC, correct? Right. Extreme Fighting Championships in South Africa. And that's where you won a championship. Yeah. Correct? Yeah. And what's the biggest difference between those two? I mean, it, the pay. <laughs> that's, yeah. a, that's a huge one. It's just that the audience is, is a little smaller, um, stuff like that. I mean... There, there are guys that have made it from to the UFC from that promotion. I, I, I believe if I wouldn't uh, taken my last loss, I would have made it at that point. You know, um, that that it was like that one loss set me back because my opponent, the guy who beat me, he went and he went to the yeah, UFC after that fight. Yeah, so so I was I was I was right there. Um, so does that it, does that just crush you? Yeah, yeah, because yeah, yeah, it. Yeah, it sucks. I just wanted, I wanted a shot, you know, I just wanted, just want to make it there and, and give it a shot. I mean, I started late in fighting kind of, you know, um, but I worked my ass off for it. Yeah. It was something I dedicated my life to. I mean, like, like you guys are talking about very, very little pay, like journeyman fighter. Like I'm in my thirties. I have a college education. I'm an intelligent guy and I'm sitting here banging heads for, for a couple grand you know, and, 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 uh, you know, doing training privates and teaching classes and stuff like that to pay my bills. Um, but I don't know, like light, you, you, you have to chase what's passionate about, you know, like it's weird that people look at my life and they're like, oh my God, it's so great what you're doing. I was like, whoa, you, you have insurance. Like, I'm like excited about that. You know what <laughs> yeah, I mean? Yeah. Like that's cool too. But like you, you only, you only go around this, this thing once and, yeah. and you got to do, do what you, you, your heart's called for. And 
I'm one of those guys that has to do something they're passionate about. I can't yeah. do something that you do everything that. with. I, I've known yeah. you for only close to a year now. You do everything with passion. Yeah, you it, put everything. It's exhausting, into it. but I like it. <laughs> now, now, when you found out after your last fight, first of all, let's talk about what are the things you broke, or what are the things that, um, like, yeah, what are the things you broke on your body? My heart. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. what we talked about. We yeah. talk about that yeah. one. But legit, you go through a lot of heartbreak. Um, that that's that's a huge thing because you're training your ass off for stuff, and then you you get to the thing is you're most vulnerable. You're like naked in front of people. Literally, you're like naked in front of people, and, and they get to see you at your most vulnerable point. So uh -huh. yeah, your heart gets broken tons, and 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 that's that's when you know a fighter is when they take a loss and they come back. You know, yeah. the person that's undefeated and then takes a loss and quits or like quits their undefeated. That, that it's hard to call that person a fighter because a fighter is a person that gets up and, and, they, and they can lick their wounds and they can come back, you know. Um, What's your toughest injury? Yeah, the, the, the toughest broken injury. So this, this, uh, so I was fighting out of Alaska, right? And I had, I started fighting in Canada, various promotions in Edmonton. Um, I took three losses in a row. I took one, one main event in, in Anchorage. Then I had a fight against, I guess, and then I had a fight against uh, Claude Patrick who went to the UFC later on. And I went, two or three rounds with him. And then I had a fight with Ryan Ford, who was like, and this is when I was fighting at welterweight. This is when I learned how to cut. I could learn how to cut weight the hard okay. way. So I was walking around 170. I was like, okay, I'm fighting at 170. So I get to this fight and Ryan Ford's walking into the cage about 190, right? Like, cause he cut so much weight. And, wow. and, um, we go in and, 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 you know, I'm out class. I shouldn't have been matched up with him. I had no manager. I was, a, I was a tough guy. I yeah. like saw, I just saw any motherfucker and I was like, I'll beat that guy. Uh -huh. right? Yeah. And so, um, Ryan, you know, he, he hits me with like a one, two and a, and a, and a switch kick. And I lean right into his kick, shan across the face. So my nose is touching my cheekbone. You know, there's literally, there's bones coming out of the bridge of my nose, right? Like you, you could see flakes of bone coming out of my nose and, and uh, I'm just, just blood is gushing out of my face. So he hits me that kick. I, I hit the ground. I put him into an arm bar, right? Like unconsciously, I kind of like, I'm just doing it. He, he lifts me up, slams me down. Okay. He's a little heavier than me and starts drilling me in the face and they stop the fight. And so I'm in the back. I got blood all over me. Um, they, they put two rods up my nose and straighten it out. Uh, I took a shower. I remember the shower smelled like iron, right? Cause of all the blood, right? Like weird sensation, you know? And my sister was like, she always corners me. My sister, Gina danger Mazzani. Um, she, uh, she goes, yeah, the shower smells like iron, Dave. Like she could smell it coming oh at, like gosh. from the steam, steaming up all the blood. And so I, I, so my eye completely shut. I fractured my orbital right here. My teeth are still numb from that fight, right? Like still, yeah, still like, you know, where you come out of the yeah. dentist, it's a little numb. It, it's still kind of like that. Um, and then I had to get my nose reconstruction and, and, a, and an orbital fracture. And Dr. Rosen, shout out to Dr. Rosen. He's a brown belt in my gym at the time. Best eye surgeon in Anchorage. Um, he, 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 he helped me out with that, uh, orbital surgery. And, and then, uh, so I, so I only owed like 13 grand from, from a fight where I made two. Um, <laughs> and so, so, um, so and you didn't stop after that. No, this is what propelled me forward. I got home. I got, I got back. I was coming off of three losses and everybody's like, you need to hang them up. And I was working for a commercial plumbing outfit at the time. And, and they're like, Hey, if you get your journeyman, you can probably make good money doing this, you know, get a trade. And I, I love construction and, and, that man work and you know um 
but I was like, I don't know, I got something more in me. And, and so when I, at my, on my spare time, I was researching places to train. And I was like, you know what? I, I, I work construction. I paid off my bills, saved another 10 grand, and packed up my pickup and drove to Vegas. And I was like, I want to make this thing fucking happen. And what year was that? This was around like 07. 07? So. Yeah, so it was during a recession, right? which was crazier too. Everybody's like, there's good money in Alaska. Yeah. And... There wasn't any in Vegas, especially a place about those centered around entertainment. That's the first thing you cut out of your budget when you. Uh, so, so how long did it take money. you to recover from all this before you could actually <laughs> like even practice? I mean, technically like three months, technically, mm. technically, yeah. but I was gun shy. So getting hit in the face was scary because I like just shattered my skull. Right. But like. I don't know. For me, it was like something I had to overcome because yeah. I still was pissing vinegar. I was a young kid thinking I, I still how old, more. I how old were you? Oh shit. What was that? I had to have been, I had to have been 25, 25, 26, you know, but I was like, I still had more in me, still had more. And so I, I, I picked up my truck and, 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 I, and I went to Vandalay Silva's camp, you know, and this is the, they call him the ax murderer. He was the guy we're talking about pride in Japan. He was just, just big huge and he would just he was he had this technical brawling style where he would like roll and just swing and 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 just knock people out and he had this look in his eyes that would just it was vicious and scary but but at Vandalay's gym they had this culture that they brought from Rio de Janeiro this place called Shudo Box and they were known for sparring hard like almost every day and Vandalay brought that culture into in into uh his gym and it's probably the thing i needed the most i needed to be hit in the head yeah. I needed to be almost knocked out i needed people to come at i needed the adrenaline rush every single time i came into practice right i had a lot of technique and stuff from gracie baja jiu-jitsu my jiu-jitsu and grappling was great but my striking i needed to go through the ringer in order to get better and so at vandalay's camp i did that and and that was when i started uh you know, coming into to being the the fighter I am now. Dave, the pain train was on. Mm-hmm. Well, now I'm retired, but yeah, I was. I'm trying was to the pain train. Game. Yeah, now I'm like the caboose. Now you're the now, now, I'm now Thomas, you're the, the nice train. train. <laughs> the Thomas the Tank Engine. <laughs> <laughs> so, so this this new gym propelled you to start winning fights. Yeah, yeah. And what pain train? Where'd that come from? Who, who named you that? So this is funny. So, uh, do you remember? Terry Tate, the office linebacker Reebok commercials back in the day. No, this is old, man. This is like, I don't know. Like this is probably early 2004, 2003. Terry Tate, the office linebacker Reebok had them. And so basically it was like, it was kind of like an office space setting where they had cubicles and stuff. And he's like, you know, productivity has uh, risen up since we brought Terry onto the team. And he goes, you know, and so Terry is this big black dude, you know, like gorilla, you know, and he was like, you better recycle your shit, man. Or the pain train's coming. Pain train's coming. Woo, woo, woo. And he would like hit people for being late and shit. And so that was like one of his lines, a pain train's coming. Uh And he like, is about to tackle this dude. Sorry, Terry. Yeah. And, and so like, we thought that was funny. Like when I was running track and field, so we would run these lactic threshold workouts, mm-hmm. like, which would just like make you feel like garbage. And I like about once a week, I'd be vomiting in the trash can. And so like my teammates would run over like the pain trains coming. Cause they would see me going, huh, yeah. huh, huh, and they would follow me to the trash can and like scream at me thinking it was hilarious. And this, this had happened at meets when I'd run the 400 or the 800. They'd be like, the pain trains coming. The parents are looking like, <laughs> what's know? the pain train? Yeah, what's the, this one? Blah. Yeah. And I, I'm a loud puker. So 
Oh, that's, I didn't need to know all that, yeah, Dave. I mean, that's so, disgusting. That's yeah. pretty disgusting. I so didn't need to know that. Calling the dinosaurs. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. So, so, so that's where you got the name. Yeah. All right. So after this gym, after you moved to Vegas, right. this gym, what was your next three fights like? So, so I was coming up with three losses uh-huh. and then the recession was happening. So there's no fights going on. Uh-huh. And, and what I found out quickly was in Las Vegas, the big problem was, uh, the only fights that happen here are big fights. They don't have little fights. Mm. They have amateur fights. But who's going to watch a low-level pro fight? You want to see Pacquiao. You want to see UFC. Conor McGregor. You don't want to see uh, a, a three and you know a five and three pro. Yeah. You know you're just looking. You know so so I, I had to look everywhere. And then uh, EFC, that South African promotion, was looking for a fighter because like a guy dropped out. They hey we need a guy on ten days notice in South Africa. Uh, by the way, it's our champ. And I'm like, uh, okay, I'll take it. <laughs> so how do you hear, so, like in your industry, how do you hear about opportunities like that? It's just like networking. So the, uh-huh. this this person ended up contacting Vandalay Silva's manager because they were doing running promotions with Vandalay. He was okay. like making money with sponsorship stuff. And they're like, hey, do you have anybody on your team that's willing to fight? And so they saw this guy who's taken three losses um, with not so good of a record. But little did they know, all I was doing was training, I was laser fucking focused. Mm-hmm. And so I could Go to this fight 10 days notice before i hit the plane i throw my back out can barely walk right because <laughs> i'm cutting weight first time cutting weight to that low of a weight class i fly 30 hours uh to this place uh nine hours time difference uh, i have like three days to acclimate at the most and and but meanwhile not eating anything and you're gonna fight the champ and i'm gonna fight the champ of this promotion yeah this is what my life is it's stupid <laughs> so so here we are in johannesburg coca-cola dome five thousand feet altitude too so i'm fighting at altitude which is another thing that's crappy i'm not you know I'm, I'm i'm in shape but not i'm not in peak shape right um so i go in there and and i fight this guy vinzel nil like and he's hyped up he's in all the magazines over there he's like this vicious wrestler ground and pound guy like and he thinks he's going to destroy you you got three losses nobody knows who you are and you kind of think that yeah but then i got into weigh-ins and again i haven't i wasn't drinking i was eating clean everything was good i was getting ready for a fight for months basically i just didn't know when the fight was going to be took uh-huh. off my shirt the promoters go oh shoot this guy's in shape you know so i go in there and i'm fighting this dude we're and i end up taking him down taking his back and sinking in the choke and michael like my sinking in the choke like you what, what does that naked. mean <laughs> Do you whisper that to him? No, but I just oh. think it'd be funny, right? <laughs> Good night. Nighty night. So um, you put him in that hold. I, yeah, I took his back. I, I put my arm around his head and I, and I choked him out. Um, but so the the crazy thing about that, my confidence is so low. My my forearm and my bicep was around both arteries. I was squeezing. And as the first thought was, I wonder how he's going to get out. How is he going to get out of this choke? Uh-huh. He's surely going to get out because I can't win right now. Even though I did all the training, did everything I need to do, everything I need to do, my confidence is While low. you're in there, you're feeling mm-hmm. that. Yeah, and it was weird, this long thought. And it was like a split second because I, I sunk it. I looked at the video. I sunk it and he tapped. But like time shifts oh, yeah. strangely in there, right? It's shifting. So I sink in this choke. And then he taps and I go, holy shit. And I stand up and I'm going crazy and they get me on the microphone. And this is like, the, the, uh, this is on national TV in South Africa. Big. So this big, is their big, big fight arena. right this now. This is their arena. It's like, I've never fought in a promotion this big ever. How many people do you think were they in, in the uh, arena? I mean, there, it was a packed small arena, but it was like, 
I want to say two or 3,000. Oh, yeah. It was, okay. I mean, but it was packed. It was, yeah. it was full, so it, like, felt electric, right? Yeah. And, like, the music and the light, doom, 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 like, the bass, he was hitting you and stuff. And um, and it was just, like, me and my coach. And it, this is this is a weird, I don't know, it's, I don't know, I want to get sidetracked, but me and my coach, Mike Smith. But, um, so I get to the microphone, and they go, hey, Dave, how do you feel? I was like, I haven't won a fight in years. This is great. <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, oh god! And they're like, they're like, cut that out! They're right. like trying to edit it. Like, cut that out of the interview, you know? So, <laughs> so he just made our champ look like an asshole, right? You know? And so, um, and then a- after that point, they decided to not, um, they decided to not bring back international fighters. They're like, oh, this is because this, 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 yeah. this is a non-title fight, you know, and and whatever. So I went off and fight fought the journeyman circuit for a long time, just just whatever fight I could find. So they never brought you back. They didn't bring me back. I thought that was that was a ship that sailed. But I had I basically beat the title holder. I was the person to win the title, in my mind. And but they didn't have you back. They didn't have me back because so, you were international. Because I was an international fighter, and they're like, we aren't going to test those waters yet. Ah, right? gotcha. those waters. I was a kind of a litmus test, and it failed. And then I got then, you. Okay, so they Af- were like, let's yeah. see how good we really are yeah. over here. And then so, and they, and granted, they did progress. Like yeah. information travels quickly, especially the internet and stuff like that. They got a lot better. And then years and years later, when I did, you know, I actually hacked Twitter a little bit. I don't uh-huh. remember. I was like, one of my buddies showed me how to use a Twitter bot, right? Like to add and follow people. Oh, you know, really? So yeah, okay. yeah. It's like it was like so. I started adding people on EFC. You know, people following EFC and then unfollowing, following, unfollowing, 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 and then like maybe twenty percent retention rate, right? Like people uh-huh. start adding, and so so I'd be like, Throwback Thursday. Remember that time I t- choked out the champ? That was crazy. <laughs> and then people are like, Oh my God, yeah, Mazzani. What? Where is he? You know? Yeah. And then so so then. The, the promoter's like, yeah, ever since we decided to go international, uh, there's a little bit of a buzz about you. I don't know what that's about. And I'm like, I wonder. Like, I made that shit happen. You made it happen. Yeah, you have to. You have to be savvy sometimes, right? You <laughs> made so, your own buzz, bro. Right. right. And Through you, a bot. Through a bot. Yeah, it's an admin. Dude, uh, that's so cool. Hey, Alex, can we get me some bots for the podcast? <laughs> uh, definitely not, no. No, we need bots. No, no, no. Dude. <laughs> Dude, the pain train had bots. We can have yeah. bots, man. Yeah, and who has more followers? Yeah, right? <laughs> You're doing fine. No, nah. <laughs> but, but I, I'm thinking about this uh, this bot game, man. Yeah. Okay, so the, you got the bus. So they were like, yo, these so people talking. they brought about- me back, and I fought this guy, Sibu Sisu Madoko. And I had to, like, I, like in, in there, I was like, I, was like, I got to come in there just fucking annihilate him and i and i went in and I, I i knocked him out i knocked him out cold overhand right and his ground and pounded him you know and, and i got up and i told him exactly that on the on the microphone i was like hey you know i beat the champion that nobody else has beaten me from this promotion like i deserve the title and then i got the title shot won the title and then kind of my career in efc sparked from there how long but, did you fight for efc Oh, man, it was how many fights? Know, like four, about seven fights in South oh, Africa. Great. So that's about seven flights back and forth. Did you did you start to like South Africa? Yeah, it was one of those things. And this is the weird thing is they hate foreign. I mean, any country. Yeah. They, they don't want the foreign guy to win. Yeah. Right. But after a little bit, like uh, they realized I wasn't a dick because I wasn't going to be a dick. Yeah. They were kind of like, hey, Dave, you should like push the guy away ends. We'll give you more money. But well, you were the one whatever, that wouldn't you know? talk trash, right? <laughs> no, that's, I, I want to be myself. Yeah. You want to be organic, you know, yeah. I'm a competitor. You shut that door. I'll ruthless. I'm ruthless and I'll knock your head off. Right. I'll do the thing. But, but 
before and after you're, I'm like this, right? Whatever. Like I'm, I'm, I go in there, grind, close the door. You get to be a different person because UFC and different fights, right? It's all about the hype now. Yeah. You know, of course these men are talented, but right. you know, they want two people to talk crap so right. they can be promos and you didn't really fall in line with that. No, I mean, but, but I was over in a different way, right? Like mm -hmm. they, they, they like, cause I, I did I had a little pro wrestle. I did pro wrestling. So I had a little quirky gimmick there. Um, I would talk to them about like just being a good athlete and like I'd, I'd make silly jokes or something, but I would, okay. I would be myself, right? You had like, your thing. I wasn't boring, you know, I, but, but like, I felt like I could use my powers, you know, it was like Peter Parker, you, you get great power comes with great responsibility, right? Like I would use my power. I would encourage people to work hard and then like maybe give people hope with, with things. Right. It wasn't about like beating somebody up. It was about aspiring to do the best thing you possibly do could be and make the possible impossible right mm. a guy a, a, a kid from alaska wasn't supposed to move to vegas train at vandalay silva's gym eventually randy couture's gym and then go to africa and win a title i shouldn't have even done that much less you know and the ufc would have been icing on the cake but you know like because when i was a kid i was inspired by athletes man like i remember seeing a local uh guy doug spooner he played for the anchor aces and i was like whoa that's like really cool and and I still remember that. And do you remember what, what famous athletes like inspired I mean, you when you were young? I mean, of course, like Wayne Gretzky, right? Wayne Gretzky was cool. And then, you know, uh, Mark Messier, um, you know, just, just hockey players. I always mm -hmm. like hockey players. And then when I was a runner, Steve Prefontaine, yeah. you know, pre, he's the, you know, but like, I, 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 I love greatness, you know? And then I felt, felt like it was my duty to, to, give back that feeling back to somebody, right? Give that feeling back. So when I'd get free tickets in Africa, I would give it to people who couldn't afford the fights. I wouldn't give it to people like sell, like some people sold them. Yeah. Some people, I'd give them to a couple sponsors or whatever. But then like the lady who washed my clothes, I gave it to her, you know, and I gave it to like somebody on the street that had a conversation with the Uber driver, you know, stuff mm -hmm. like that. Cause I wanted to show, you know, I wanted people to see to see the fights. Mm -hmm. I want to see what we could do because because sports are fucking amazing. Yeah, like people what people do with their body and people do with their spirit and their mind. They dedicate their lives to it. Yeah. right. And then for people's entertainment, my brain cells were for your entertainment. Yeah, you know. And so, so, so I became like a household name a little bit. They called um, Cape Town my home away from home basically like that was the kind of how they marketed me so they would almost give me the hometown treatment, treatment the hometown yeah. hometown opponent when i was in cape town because they kind of felt like i was one of theirs it, it was odd and even the the commentator tater cyrus fees was like you should open a gym in in cape town you'd kill it bro you yeah know? man but as beautiful as it was i don't know i still like my home so how long have you been retired now about four years. Four years. Yeah. So I, you're my personal trainer as well. Yeah. So sometimes you take me to, um, um, what's that gym called? Nine round. No, the other yeah. one. Extreme Couture. Extreme Couture. Yeah. Yeah, we've been, so, yeah. so do you, once you walk in there, right. does a bit of you say, ah, yeah. I wish I was still in it right now. It's, it's, it's like the alcoholic that's stepping into his favorite liquor store. Ah, right. You know? yeah. <laughs> You're like, yeah. Oh man, I remember this. Yeah. And, but, but you know, I've, I've done good. except set my boundaries. I'm only doing gi jujitsu and none of the, I don't jump into the pro practice. And, um, I st my mouthpiece still has blood in it from that last fight that I had, you know, I just haven't put it in yet. Just 
it's not ready, you know. But uh-huh. Yeah, it, it is hard. But you know that that's my family over there too. Extreme Couture has been my family. And yeah, it's 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 cool. And we, you know, when you when you train and punch faces with people and choke each other out, there's a special bond that you get. It it, you it does because I see that. Look, I'm. I know nothing about fighting, <laughs> nothing. I'm learning it yeah. ever since I moved here about a year ago, but I'm still yeah. below amateur, beginner, as far as knowledge of it. Yeah. But what I do see is the respect. They can talk all the trash they want, right. but usually, usually there are some exceptions, but usually after a person wins, they right. show so much respect to that right. other person yeah. that just fought them. Right. And... At the beginning, that was surprising to me because it is this ego thing. Right. I'm going to kick your ass. And then right. in real life, when you do that to somebody, you're still talking shit to them. Right. You know, but here it's like, yo, man, I won. Are you OK? Let me show you respect. And I, I think that's pretty cool. Yeah, it's, it's something special about a fighter because, you, you know, they, you both understand you both got vulnerable. You both got vulnerable for each other. Like the thing you respect about a friend, a partner, um, anything is when they become vulnerable with you right? Like, like you, you're dating or whatever, or you're sitting if another, like it wasn't until she got vulnerable with you that you guys had that bond. Right. And, and, and as weird as it sounds, when you give somebody, like even in training, you give somebody your body and you trust that person with your mm-hmm. body, not to hurt it. And you're doing the same with them. And, uh, even though it's, 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 it's simulating death with each other, you know, you, you're, you're, you're giving them that thing. So it's a beautiful thing. So, and then when you fight, you both express that in a, in a special way and it's it, it's an ego but in a different type of ego right it's like if you see a street fight the ego is more like i'm covering up for something i don't have i'm not a tough guy i'm gonna i'm gonna pretend that i'm tough and then maybe get in a fight about it when you're a fighter and you know you're tough and you know you can fight you're not doing that. It's like if you're uh, if you run into a five year old and the five year old's like, "I'm gonna beat you up." You don't need to beat up that five year old in order to prove that you can beat him up. <laughs> yeah, right? yeah. Right? You just know you can beat him up. Not to put that visual visualization. No, no, yeah. Five year old. No, I got but, you. But this this is what a, a fighter is. And then you get two equally matched people. Hey, we're gonna test each other because this is what a true warrior wants to. You know that that saying: "Go out on your shield or back to come back with your shield or on it." You know, that's the, that's, that's a true fighter. Somebody who has that warrior mentality. That's what you strive for. You strive for that warrior that, mentality, that warrior mentality, right? That's what we need on this show. Some <laughs> warrior mentality. Alex yeah. is going through it right now. He's lost. How much, how much weight have you lost? Uh, so now we're about 15 pounds, 15 in. pounds, man. Yeah. He's trying to lose 120 warrior mentality. That's, that's what it takes. Yeah, man. You got to wake up every day and, um, uh, You know, tell you like, you know, with training, you know, you wake up every day and you tell yourself you got to do it today because of the little things add up. So it does every single day. Um, Now, you own this gym I started going to called Nine Rounds. Yeah. What made you want to be an owner of that? I love it. If you live in Vegas, go to Nine Rounds. It's the one off of Fort Apache and Twain and Twain. Go there. Check out my man Dave. But. It always seems you're just, you just always want to make people better and right. give back and give back and give back. You're a giver. Yeah. You know, yeah. and um, how'd you come up with Nine Rounds? Or I so, know it's a company, but yeah. what, what made you want to get invested? Nine in? Round is a, is, is a franchise. So I've always been in the fitness industry. Yeah. Right. Like, so like 
my, my degree was in human performance, physical education. I was a high school, like at 25 years old when I was still in Alaska, I was a high school varsity track cross country and hockey coach. You know, I, I just take on this thing where I, I've always been the captain of my teams. I've always wanted to and help other people improve. Cause like when you help others, it makes you feel better. Right. And so, um, I, I got into the deeper into the gym industry. I started working for a boutique fitness studio called True Fusion. So I oh teach, yeah, you've been that's there, more yeah. of yoga, right? It's it's kind of yoga based, you know. Like I taught uh, hot classes, hot barefoot boot camp, Pilates. Okay. I taught bar with a ballet based class. I taught their yoga series, TRX, Battle Ropes. I was their travel team fitness director, so I helped them franchise around the nation, right? And then I was like, well, you know, I'm working for somebody. I would like to you know, work for myself, you know, see what I can do on my own. Like, what, what can I do? And so I was looking around trying to figure out one kind of concept, maybe rent out a spot. And then it's like post pandemic. And I saw this nine round up for sale and it was, you know, at a reasonable price because nobody was buying, buying fitness it, gyms yeah. when they were all shut down and people were having their masks and all this stuff. And I was like, you know what? We're in Las Vegas. Let's roll the dice and see if this can happen. So, yeah, it's so nine round is an amazing concept because the thing people usually say when they're uh, trying to get in shape is I don't have time. They, 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 uh, so it's a 30 minute workout. There's no class time. So you just go in, bang out a 30 minute workout and it's kickboxing based. And the, 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 the founder of the place was Shannon, the cannon Hudson, who was a world champion kickboxer. So I was like, this makes total sense. He's into fitness. I'm into fitness. He was a fighter. I was a fighter. And he has this franchise spread out throughout the world um, that, now, that fits my values and fits what I do. And it's now, perfect. fighting is a challenge, but right. owning your own business is a challenge yes. as well. So how's that adjustment for you? Being, You know, when you work for somebody, you got a paycheck coming in. Yeah. It's easy. You're not paying anybody. Right. They're paying you. How's the transition been for you? So this is a tough the transition out of fighting is, is, is hard. Yeah. Fortunately, I had to keep up on my skills as a fighter, right? Like, cause if I was maybe not getting the UFC was a blessing in disguise. You always try to find the silver. Yes, you do, you do, you do, you do. <laughs> but, but like it forced me to be a professional in the sense of like, I have to make money different ways. Um, I have to adapt. I have to think outside of fighting. Um, so owning my own business is, 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 has been a bear. Like it's been a, it's been a year long fight camp, right? Like yeah. it's been grind. Um, and I'm doing it at 38 years old. I'm not, I'm not pissing vinegar in my twenties anymore. Yeah. So, um, it, but, but like, you know what, and this, and I guess this is another thing we talk about a lot at, um, I have a therapy group, like a therapy group, a, a, a support group called emerging vets and players MVP. Mm -hmm. yep. and it's, it's for combat veterans and, former pro athletes for support after you take off the uniform. So the, the transition coming out of the military or the transition coming out of professional sports, there's a lot of similarities. You know, you have this group of savages and, that were used to like, <laughs> yeah. like dangerous stuff. I was simulating death every day and, um, you know, potentially going to death when I would fight. Um, and, and, uh, and I like it, 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 it's crazy how you call it going to death. You right. don't say I'm about to fight. You yeah. say I'm going to death. People die, you know, like, like I remember they, they found that. Let me tell you, I would never podcast <laughs> if they said podcast was called going to death. Yeah. Like I would, I would never do anything called going to right. death. You know, I am going to death. It's no big deal. But you know, it may also makes you like appreciate life a little bit more. Right. Yes. Like, cause, cause 
death is out there everywhere you can get hit by a car hit by lightning all the stuff that's true you know and and like okay now you gotta live this shit up let's 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 make it happen let's have a good time you know let's let's live life with integrity and and love it kick some ass but where was that oh that 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 studio yes it's it's been it's been hard you know but a lot of things are the same man you you have discipline you gotta learn techniques you gotta learn stuff and new strategies get get comfortable competition competition Yeah. yeah i mean like this marketing piece, running numbers, um, being vulnerable in the sense that like, you know, nine round is nice because it has this franchise business coach that I can contact. And some of the business owners don't use them because a lot, one of the reasons is you got to admit you don't know something, right? That, that ego that fights you in fighting. I had to be like, I don't know how to do this technique or this facet of my game is, is not good. I got to go figure it out. I got to go be vulnerable. I, I told my franchise business coach, he's like, yo, man, I know the inside the room. I know how to run a studio. I know how to build a team, but running numbers and all that business stuff, I don't know that. I need help with that. And so now it's me diving into something that I got to admit I'm not good at and get better. Well, nine rounds in Las Vegas, the one off of Fort Apache. Go see David. Yeah. I do want to talk about this. I, I tell yes. all my friends that come to Vegas. Yeah. Do not mess around and try to fight people in Vegas. This is the home (laughs) of UFC. Yeah. And where people train to be like, there are killers that walk, go to death every day walking around. I saw one, I saw a guy in a casino and here's the thing you know about fighters. If you ever want to get in a fight in Vegas and a guy's like, nah, let's not fight. And you keep pushing them like, dude, no, let's just, let's chill out, chill out. Because fighters really, (laughs) like guys that can fight, they don't want to fight in real life. They want to get paid to fight. And And you know it hurts. And you know there's consequences. You know what what it entails. So this guy, we were watching this guy. And this guy was bigger than this other dude. And he was like, come on, come on. And the the small guy was like, no, no, it's cool, man. Look, go about your way. I'm going to go about what, just leave me, basically leave me alone. Right. To push them, he's like, right, "Look, man, look." And he was telling his friends, "Let's go." And his friends were like, "Yo, man, we gotta push him one more time." He pushed it, turned around. Literally, that's that fast. Dude was in the neck thing, like what? What do y'all call it? Chokehold. Yeah, yeah. And the guy was like out, right? Yeah, put him asleep. And then they just walked. They walked away, and then everybody was just walking over the dude, yeah. <laughs> like, like just going about their business. And I was like. That's why you do not get in a fight right. in Vegas. There are killers everywhere here. Right. Killers everywhere. So I want to, this is for the listeners. If anyone is attacked, right, right? What are like two go-to moves? And I know it depends where right. they come from, but what are, and it's not even to go at the, it's just right. to protect yourself. Right. Give me two things for an average person like me to protect. Right. And this is coming from a guy. And I always like send the disclaimer as like, I'm, I'm an expert at like lock me in a cage and I'll mess you up. Yes. Or like yes. Whatever. Um, but but I also know what fighting is and and so so here's 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 a couple of things. So let's okay, talk self defense. Right? Yes, yeah, self defense. Talk self defense. Um, and and I and I want to run a seminar at my studio soon, you know. But I want to run it through with a like one of my old fighter buddies who was a Green Beret and he he um, you know uh, he, he he teaches training, so yeah. he studies this. Like just because you know t- techniques don't mean doesn't mean you understand what's out there. One hundred percent. So. 
you t- typically you'll see a self-defense guy saying, all right, grab the wrist. I'll turn it this way and do that. Yeah. Like, you're not going to do that, man. Um, just think like, I, cause pressure messes things up, right? Like you unlock your door. It's an intricate thing. You take your key and you unlock the door. Mm-hmm. Now imagine doing that with a guy chasing, chasing you with a knife. It's like that horror <laughs> movie. And you're like, ah, yeah. you're just, you know, stumbling. So in order to get good at an intricate technique, you got to do it under pressure. This is why jujitsu works. Yeah. Cause, cause when you roll and spar, you're doing it under 100% pressure. Long story long. Um, so you got to think about basic things. One, I, I, again, me being a fitness guy, just be fit. Mm-hmm. Like if you want to work on, on, on keeping yourself safe, I always say training is like just training and being in shape, eating healthy, making your body strong is making yourself hard to kill right? Make yourself hard to kill, make yourself hard to kill from disease, make yourself hard to kill from, um, people that might want to harm you, make yourself hard to, you're more, your body is more resilient. You aren't like, Mm -hmm. you know, so you're hard to kill in a lot of ways. So I always say health, the the health is, is number one, make sure you're able to do something like run away. Yeah. If you can turn around and sprint, use those track and field skills. That is one big thing. Now, um, awareness is huge, right? Like, so this is, this is the big thing is like when you're walking out the door, where are you parking your car? Are you looking at your phone as you're walking? Do you know how many people I drive when I'm driving through a parking lot? Don't even look at oh, my car. hundred percent. Like, I, why do you trust me, bro? Yeah. <laughs> or, or people walking across the street don't realize a car will win. Yes. Like, 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 and they give you attitude when they walk across the street. They're like, right. mm, mm, oh, I know you're going to stop. It's like, what if I didn't? Yeah. Like, like I wouldn't trust me. No, <laughs> no. It's like those people that ride bicycles on the side of the road. I would, I could never do it. I could yeah. never trust somebody yeah. to not hit me yeah. riding a bicycle on the side of the street. I don't know. As cool as it would be. Yeah. So, so awareness is huge. I think okay. we tend to like dig our heads in the phone now with that device, mm-hmm. headphones, stuff like that. So like, so being fit, being able to run away awareness and it, it just even like, and I, and I've been told this by people just like having a posture like this, you know, just like, just Hey like, man, you know, like, you know, like instead of being like having your hands down, yeah. right. Just like, Hey, well, that's what I know? noticed. So you're and always be, ready to, to you know, what, you know, what's big is these people getting knocked out right now. A lot of videos of people getting knocked out. Right. And all of the people that get knocked out, usually they're like, what's up, man. And they're yeah. like, what's up, what's up, what's up, what's up, what's up. Right. I was like, I learned from your class, no matter what I may get knocked out, <laughs> but my hands are going to be like this. Like right. literally right. I may not even throw a punch. I'll just be like this, but yeah. my hands will be up. You yeah. know what I mean? Or like this or something. something. I'm blocking something. Yeah. But all these videos of people, they're like, hey, what's up? Oh, yeah. you know? not very tough. <laughs> no, the no. chin, The chin doesn't always win. Okay. Before yeah. we, uh, where can people reach you? I want to get your socials out. Yeah. Because before Let's you leave, yeah. I do want you to put me in that chokehold. Yeah, yeah. But I don't want you to I knock me out. I finish it. No, no. I don't want you to even start it. <laughs> I just want you to put me in it so I know how it feels. Yeah. But I don't yeah. want to see the lights go out or anything. You understand? Are we on the same page? Can, can they because I don't bit? want the PT. SD to kill you like, ah! and you're like okay we clear yeah, yeah let's go <laughs> okay where, where can people reach um, you my, my twitter is at mazani mma m-a-z-a-n-y m-m-a at mazani mma and uh the same on twitter i still and nine rounds talk about and nine, nine round yeah it's nine round underscore spring valley lv spring valley lv yes, spring valley LV. all right so come technically on. it was in spring valley all right yeah. come over here Bring and it. put me in this yeah. thing so, no lights out. Okay, okay. Are we, are we, yeah. look, uh, you promise. I promise. Okay. Should I move the mic up? Alex? This is the rear naked choke, right? So, so what is this called? So the, the rear naked choke. So in Brazil, 
And in Portuguese, it's the mata leal, means to kill the lion. Right? Okay. So, so you get one bicep. Uh-huh. Right there, right? So that's one artery that was getting cut. Okay, so the other one. Yeah, that's okay. uh -huh. on this side, right? Uh-huh. Look at him. Look at him. And then I grab the bicep. And then oh. I, I pull and squeeze. Okay, okay. Oh my god. <laughs> so it's just that. Yeah. And it's just it's just a nice little like Dave, thanks so much for stopping by. Check him out. It's uh, nine rounds, um, and it's in nine uh, rounds singular. Nine round, nine round. And what was the Twitter again or the Instagram? Uh, nine round underscore Spring Valley LV. All right, I'm on tour right now myself. I'll be everywhere. All you got to do is go to michaelyo.com and please, please, please for Alex, so I can keep employing Alex. Please, please, please subscribe. And give us a thumbs up and watch all the podcasts. And then Alex will be employed for longer. Please do that. <laughs> all right. We'll see you next time on the Yo Shop. <laughs> <laughs>